0: Jeez. Recorded live.
1: Hi, everybody. It's 6.05 p.m. California time, and it's April the 7th, 2016. It's time for my private audio call. Tonight, our special guest speaker is Lysander Bendable. Uh, what was that sound I just heard? Huh? Okay, you're still there, though.
2: I'm still here. It wasn't, it wasn't me leaving. No.
1: <laughs> Sounded like Skype was hanging up on me. Anyway, um, Lysander, great great to have you here. Glad, glad you could make it. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so everybody could uh, get familiar with what you um, do and who you are.
2: What I've, I am the author of a book called um, On Your Own in Tax Court, U.S. Tax Court Without a Lawyer. I became involved with the IRS back in the late 90s and uh, really started to engage with them in the early 2000s. Was influenced by uh, Peter Hendrickson, Erwin Schiff, Lynn Meredith, Eddie Kane, the usual, the usual suspects. And um, have in the meantime um, gone through four of my own tax court cases and have coached and helped people with uh, probably 30 or 40 other tax court cases. We have several active right now that I'm very excited about, and um, I also help people actually stay out of tax court because I know what a corrupt forum it is. Um, you will not win. You will not prevail in tax court if you are arguing anything but deductions and um, you know receipt of a notice of deficiency, perhaps. I have several tax court wins, and all of them were based on the fact that the, uh, <coughs> the victim never received a... Uh, a notice of deficiency, and uh, that is a winning issue. If you don't get a notice of deficiency, you will win. Um, Any other issue, any patriot issues, any suggestion that you are not subject to the internal revenue tax, any suggestion that your wages or anything that is paid to you is exempt uh, will be shouted and hooted down as frivolous, you will be fined and you will be more or less insulted and vilified in the tax court, regardless of the merits of your um, regardless of the merits of your case or your knowledge of the law or the facts in your favor none of that will, uh, none of that will help you the tax court is simply a collection arm <coughs> of the IRS uh, yes you may settle tax debt um, but you don't need to go to tax court to do it
1: <coughs> so now, are you looking at
2: this sh- I'm, I'm looking at the stuff that's rolling by here okay um, now
1: when you say rolling by is it going from right to left or, or up and down
2: uh, up and down. I'm okay, so up. you
1: don't have Talk Pro Live too. You're in the older version. It's really hard to take keep track of that. Um, but I'm not going to ask you to download it. Well, I guess you could. No, yeah. Well, yes, you could because Skype's separate.
2: Oh, wait a minute. Hang on. Um, is there Adobe Flash involved?
1: <laughs> um, I don't think so. I don't my, recall.
2: My machine automatically blocks it, and I just allowed it to.
1: Occur. Oh. But if you scroll down, if you go to TalkShoe.com and you scroll down to the bottom where it says download, you click it once, and it should up, upgrade you to the wow. better version.
2: Hang on, what's going on here?
1: I don't know. I,
2: I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it twice.
1: Oh, are you? You must have two brow two browsers open with the same chat.
2: Yeah, I must. Let me... I must. Let's try that. How about that?
1: Oh, I don't know. How's that sound?
2: That's better. Okay, I'm not getting the other guy now.
1: Okay. Yeah, sometimes that happens to me. I don't know. I am. Oh, it's It's, still... Are you kidding? Do you have your desktop speakers on? Is that what... Where's the sound coming through? Your phone or the... My headset. Okay, then you got another browser open. Close it. All
2: right. Well, let me look.
1: I, mean, I don't know how else to.
2: How did this happen?
1: You're you're on here twice for some reason. Sometimes I... you hear it out of your computer, and then you know it's. A...
2: I can only see one.
1: Oh, but you're hearing me twice.
2: I'm hearing you twice, and I'm hearing me twice.
1: Mm. Well. Uh, you want to hang up and I'll, uh,
2: I'm going to have to yeah. go
1: ahead and I'll bring you back. Right, in. I'll
2: be right back.
1: All right. Well, I'll bring you in.
2: Okay. Oh, we're talking on Skype still, right? Are right. we connected? Uh-huh. Oh, well, we can't be connected both ways. Can we?
1: Um, what do you mean?
2: I mean, I can't be logged into t- to talk to you and talking to you and logged into Skype and talking to you. No, no. So can I- I talk that's to what me one way. Yeah, that's what was going. Unless
1: like. you click that little shoe phone thing. Shoe phone thing.
2: All right, like let me try you. for the shoe phone. Hey, I'm going to do one more shot
1: at the shoe okay. phone.
2: Sorry. Don't about don't,
1: this. don't click on the shoe phone. That'll that'll uh, okay. screw it up.
2: What are we going to do? I'm going to go to talk shoe. Okay. Here we are at TalkShoe. Give me that number again. Three three
1: three nine
3: nine zero oh, four. Three
2: nine nine zero four. Okay, there I am. There. Well. Um, and then we have free TalkShoe Live Pro sign-in required. No problem.
1: Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're there's not, my sign-in. Okay. Hang on. Oh
2: damn. Boom. Oh yeah, I love it when I get it the first time
1: does not show you on here, though, yet. I'm coming. Okay. Great Gazoo wants to say something. Um, <clears throat> I'd like him
2: to say something. Yeah, this <laughs> well,
1: are you saying that? Did you want to say something pertaining to this issue, or did you want
4: to uh, <laughs> you
5: ask kidding. him
1: a question later?
4: Hello. Hi, Angela. Hi.
1: Did you want to ask him a question, or did you want to contribute to this conversation?
4: No, I was just going to say I think he's hearing you on Skype, and because he logged in on the website, he's hearing you from his computer, on, the, on the site. So if you close the chat and just talk on the Skype, then he wouldn't hear you twice and himself.
1: Yeah, close your browser where the chat.
2: Okay. All right. Well, I won't be able to see any of the any of the typed in stuff. I can't. Oh, I just say
1: open it back up after. All
2: right. That's fine. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fine. I, if, if everybody can hear me, I, I don't mind not watching the, the talk shoe stuff. Or well, I it.
1: wanted you to get the new and improved version, and you could see yeah. how wonderful it is. And well. Larry in California, what did you want to say? Did you want to add to the conversation?
0: Actually, I was just going to say that he should be able to turn off the website shoe listening so he doesn't have to hear himself uh. twice.
2: And uh, how would I go
1: about doing that? Just close the browser with the chat. Well, link.
0: right? Yeah, see, no, 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 that won't turn. That won't turn it off. There should be a little player on the website. Look for the little play, stop, pause, whatever it is.
1: Well, that's if he was streaming.
0: He is streaming because he, he because he
1: obviously no. can hear that. It's not. He's not streaming. I called him up on Skype. I know, I
0: know.
5: That's and I made a
1: three-way Skype. conversation with Talk to. It has I know. Nothing, to, nothing to do with the browser and the chat room. I, you have I any think logs he's
2: in? right. Okay.
1: Yeah. Huh? I, th- I
2: think he's correct. I think what I'm, the reason we're hearing twice is because I'm logged in and we're connected on Skype. I'm installing uh, ProWrite this moment as we speak. Okay. However, all
0: right.
2: And maybe I'll get to see these wonderful features. Yes, you may. See, the, web,
0: the website is just playing this sound, <laughs> where yeah. Skype, you're talking back and forth.
1: Okay. Right. But it's on I mean, we're on Skype. We're not talking through Talk to.
0: I understand. But see, he's, if he's streaming into him, he's not talking to you on it, but he's logged into the chat window and it started a player up so that whoever logs into the chat window can hear the call going on. You don't necessarily have to be, you know, you don't necessarily have to have the talk yeah, pro but that would be program his, on. His,
1: he would be hearing that through his speakers on his desktop, right?
0: No, he's got his headphones plugged in. He'll, he'll now, hear it I his, hear him
1: on the headset. I'm talking to him via Skype with, how come I'm not hearing it twice? Because
2: oh.
0: it's his speakers, not yours.
1: His
2: That's speaker. right. Because I'm logged in and connected in Skype and you're not.
1: I am. I'm spe- logged oh, in and connected through Skype. So I don't know what you guys but, are talking about. <laughs> you're making me crazy. Okay. But it, would, it wouldn't go
0: from his speakers from from TalkShoe over across Skype to you. That's why you're not hearing it twice.
1: Ah. Uh. No, only he can okay. hear it twice. So I'm doing this a long. Time. So what? Do, so what do we need
2: to do, Chief? Do we? Uh, we, we just disconnect browser. on Skype.
1: No, just close. No, your no, browser. no. You,
0: you, yeah, you could just close your browser, and that that will go away. He still won't be able to see the chat.
1: That's fine if That's he doesn't see the chat. Let me try it, Lysander. <laughs>
2: Okay, I'm I'm back, okay. and I'm, I have the same problem.
1: Okay, did you close the browser?
2: Uh, no, I'm logged back in.
1: Well, if close you, it. Close it
2: all no, out. Close,
1: close, close all your browsers. Out. Yeah. Close them all down.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay, we'll close the browser. All
1: right. Close it. Okay. Okay, how do I sound now? Are you still hearing two?
2: No, not anymore.
1: Oh, okay. So it was an issue with the browser. I think what's happening is you and I are talking with our headsets, Mm-hmm. Right, and when you open the browser, it turned on your desktop speakers. Right. So you were hearing it through the desktop speakers and the headset. That's twice.
2: Oh, only, only through the headset. But I was hearing it with a somewhat of a delay. But okay, okay. so we're we'll, we'll
1: Just talk on the, the phone,
2: and the, I, you know, the the problem was that I just couldn't see what was going on in talk show. I can't see any of the guests. I can't see any of the chat. I can't see anything. Right. I'm talking to you on the phone, basically. Well, we're on Skype. Right. Okay, but okay. that's okay. I mean, I don't. I don't need to see all that stuff.
1: Yeah, and you weren't getting the pro. I'll, I'll talk you through getting the pro two.
2: Okay. Well, I just pulled it again. And oh. Logged it in. It logs in just great. Okay. But I hear you twice. I hear you on Skype, and I hear you on, on
1: That is weird. I don't know why that is. Don't know either. There we go. It doesn't matter.
2: Um, I'd, I'd be happy to talk to anyone who's interested about tax court, about uh, <laughs> administrative procedures for staying out of tax court. Okay. Tax court is a deeply corrupt forum.
1: All right, anybody that wants to ask a question, press star 8 and get you in the queue. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Go ahead. No trouble. It's all yours, my dear.
2: Okay. Um, tax court is a Article One court. It was uh, formed became an actual court instead of a, an administrative agency in 1969. It has what are called judges now, um, and uh, they're Article I judges. They're not installed for life, um, and uh, they're, they're just as crooked as any other federal judge. As a matter of fact, Diane Krupa, um, not the worst and certainly not the best of, uh, of former tax court judges, was just indicted for tax evasion. Very gratifying, of course, but... Um, uh, it's also the way that the IRS controls judges, you know, because they're subject – judges are subject to the IRS harassment just like the rest of
1: us. I know, and that's unconstitutional, isn't it? The judges aren't supposed to be taxed.
2: No, judges were never supposed to be taxed. But, you know, back in the 30s, um, that that was all turned over. I forget what the case was. But there was a case that uh, they decided, yeah, we can tax judges and it's not diminishing their, their uh, pay while they're in office the constitution is you know really only handy for them if they really need it.
1: Yeah, they only use it when it's convenient for them. That's correct. Yeah. Okay, we have a question. Roddy K. You've been unmuted, my dear.
5: Yeah,
0: since you addressed that, I don't say that the judges in the tax court are receiving a
6: federal privilege so they are they are liable for a, sure. a tax Absolutely. on the federal I- income. But uh, sure. if you wanna use the chat board, just hit the mute button over by the box you type in. It's on the lower right. You log on to the chat board and hit that mute button, that should solve your problem.
2: Oh well, maybe it would. Um, there you go, brother. A, Thank my, you. So it's okay, thanks. I appreciate it. Bye bye. Thank
1: you. The problem the is the so, Yeah, the problem is you're on that old fashioned it's the the original chat window that scrolls up and down and you can't it's not as robust as the the Talk Pro Live 2 that goes from side to side, and uh, you can click on a person's name so when you respond to them, it's all the same color.
4: Uh-huh.
5: You
1: can follow better. Uh, Greg, Greg Gorey, you have a question. Hi.
7: Good evening, Angela. Good evening. Good evening. Alexander. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. What um, was your
1: call tonight?
7: Oh, it was pretty interesting. I had to cut them off, they ran 15 minutes over. Um, they wouldn't shut up
1: <laughs> that happens <laughs>
7: um yeah, it was a nice interchange between uh Ken Dost and uh, Bob Locke that called in and they uh-huh. turned they it into both? well it it was ken's Ken was the guest, and then Bob called in, and so the second half of the call turned into the duet oh. <laughs> instead of the solo, <laughs> so it was pretty interesting. Um, when, I, when I get done editing and get it up there, I'll try to chop out the dead air and shorten it down a little bit. But it was very interesting. Um, anyway, but thank you for asking. Um, well, the question I had was, would you agree or disagree? But one of the biggest problems that uh, Americans run into in tax court is the fact that they set it up so that they throw things at you that are unsubstantiated and challenging you and forcing you to file a lawsuit as a plaintiff against them, in which case you have to prove all your claims and then they stall you and they block you from getting any discovery from the
2: information from their
7: files that would help prove your case. That's the question.
2: Um, sounds, sounds to me like you've been to tax court. <laughs> this is exactly how they do it. They control the evidence. Um, the court theoretically operates under the federal rules of evidence, but if you know the federal rules of evidence, um, they will not be enforced in your favor. They will only be enforced against you. Um, if you don't know them, um, you'll you'll probably lose because because uh, you don't know them and you don't know the court's rules. The, the 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 tax court is only as corrupt as it needs to be. It doesn't like to make openly corrupt decisions. And if you don't know the rules, if you don't know the rules of civil procedure, and if you don't know uh, the rules of evidence. Well, they're gonna they're gonna whoop up on you, and they won't even have to break the rules. Um, and, right. I and mean, because
7: yeah, really. Because I mean, as, as they just sit back waiting, as what you know what in cases where we are defendants in cases, we should take mm-hmm. a lesson from their strategy because it's marvelous. They know very well that if they're the defendant, they can just sit there with their mouth shut. <clears throat> right and and and, and 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 we don't do that when we when we're defendants, we go in there screening and saying this and that, and agreeing right. to all
2: kinds of stuff yes. so we could,
7: we should yes. just shut up and sit out
2: <laughs> yes there's an and and your first point also is that that is the primary difference between tax court and any other type of federal court is that the burden of proof is reversed in in every other situation where there's a debtor debtor creditor relationship um the creditor has to prove that the debtor owes the money. In tax court, that's not so. They simply make an assertion. They make it on a piece of hearsay, a piece of unsworn hearsay that is a notice of deficiency. And then the court presumes that that is true, and it becomes your burden to prove that it is not true. And, of course, if you know anything about the rules of logic, you know that it is impossible to prove a negative. It can't be done. Right. So is there, the,
7: is there another strategy that we could do aside from
2: filing well, a that, lawsuit
7: in tax court?
2: Well, in ta- if you're in tax court, my, you know, my strategy would be to simply oppose their evidence. The rules of evidence are still there. You know, they're, they're, the, the court supposedly operates under the rules of evidence. And the court knows full well that a notice of deficiency is hearsay. It's pure hearsay. It's not, it's not sworn. It's not from firsthand knowledge. Um, you know there's there 's any number it 's not subject to cross examination there 's any number of reasons why it is not admissible evidence for the fact well, but
7: can't they, also, no no i to ask you a question about that because for for example in a foreclosure case or other elements of consumer uh, defense um, mm-hmm. they can always go to the hearsay exception rule and say, "But these records occur in our ordinary course of business and find somebody to swear." that these records exist in our ordinary course of business and therefore will be exempt from the hearsay exempt or that will be exempt from the hearsay right. toss out and now will be
2: admissible. Well that's that's quite correct and that's exactly how they do it in tax court. They claim that the notice of deficiency is a business record. But there are rules attached to admitting business records also first of all um, they have to be a business record has to be completed at or near the time of the transactions a notice of deficiency is always prepared years after the transactions that it supposedly is 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 describing it has to be prepared by someone with personal knowledge Um, the the agents who prepare notices of deficiency have no personal knowledge whatsoever of your affairs or your finances they depend entirely on third-party reports Um, for it not to be hearsay, uh, you also have to distinguish between a hearsay document and the facts stated in a hearsay document. Rule 805 is called the hearsay within hearsay rule, and uh, it, uh, it requires that any fact statements in a hearsay document, even though the document itself may qualify for an exemption, any fact statements in it must also qualify for a, an exemption. And the fact statements in a notice of deficiency do not qualify for any business record exemption. They are unsworn, they're not from first hand knowledge, and they're not subject to cross examination. They are hearsay.
7: What about the of federal course. rule what about the federal and state rules that say that once one of the parties brings in verified statements mm-hmm. sworn under penalty of perjury, that mm-hmm. all the, all other documents brought into the case from that point forward also
2: have to be from both sides. I've never heard that rule, but it would certainly benefit you in, in tax court because I have never seen—I have never seen a document sworn under penalty perjury in tax court from the other side, from the from the respondent. They they simply don't swear to anything. What they do is they bring in, you know, the only documents I've seen that have what what they claim is a certification is on what they call forms 4340. Now, a 4340 form is just a printout; it's a, it's a report that they pull out of the out of the uh, master file database, and they can pull it out at any time. And generally, 4340s in tax court are used to try to prove uh, assessments. but they are um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. The 4340s are, are simply reports from a computerized database for which no foundation is laid. In other words, whenever computer records are introduced into a lawsuit, into any kind of uh, uh, you know, court proceeding, foundation must be laid for the computer records themselves. In other words, the, the person trying to introduce these records must also produce some testimony that says that these records are reliable, that the, uh, that the data entry system is secure and accurate, that they're trustworthy, that, they, you know, that the, the computer software is working properly, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, they have to uh, not just authenticate records. They have to describe the, the, uh, the way that this computerized database operates so that we know that it is trustworthy and that it is accurate. They never do. Well, I thought,
7: that. I, thought, I thought in addition to all this, that there was no assessment
2: from the Internal Revenue
7: Service anymore, that everything was voluntary, and you're only liable for whatever the heck you say you did. And so there is no way for them to actually make a a verified assessment because they don't have the office to do that anymore.
2: Well, very well maybe so. I mean, uh, district directors were charged with the task of of, uh, appointing assessment officers. Well, there aren't any district directors. <laughs> if there's no district directors, there's no way they can appoint, you know, appoint assessment officers. So there's no assessment officers. So assessment why are, are people? Told,
7: so why are people telling? people volunteering to say that they owe something when they probably don't? Because <laughs> they're operating. They're operating on hearsay anyway, aren't they? I mean, absolutely. I mean, well, I 10, mean,
2: W twos are hearsay?
7: Yeah. Well, I mean, everything else is just a, a coaching device, really? I mean, do you really have full first-hand knowledge of the rules and regulations of how to yes. determine whether or not you are a taxpayer or if you're a non-taxpayer and how you that's make that uh, evaluation?
2: Yes, that's an interesting point. It, and, and, you know, I try to keep people out of tax court. And, uh, you know, people who are hip to the to the idea and who know that they're not required to file, um, what we've been exploring is administratively, we've been exploring ways to Uh, comply with the law, essentially, protect yourself actually against being accused of uh, criminal uh, uh, failure to file or criminal evasion, uh, but at the same time uh, maintaining your principles. And what we've come up with and what we've been filing now for a few years, and uh, it's not long enough that I would call it a success, but we've been filing um, what we call requests for determination. And we have very carefully set these documents up so that they meet what they call the Beard criteria. Uh, are you familiar with the uh, the Beard versus the Commissioner of Internal Revenue? It's a case in the 80s, I um, think it was Sixth oh. Circuit. Um, but on a very on cursory <coughs> level, not not in detail. Okay, it's not. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'll, I'll give you a quick rundown right now. The Beard criteria are there are four criteria for a valid tax return. Okay, first you have to intend that it is a tax return. Second, it has to contain sufficient data to calculate a tax. Third, um, it must be signed under penalty of perjury. And fourth, it must be your honest and sincere attempt to meet your obligations. So those four criteria, um, you will notice what is conspicuously missing there is that you do not have to calculate a tax. And so our request for determination is an affidavit, just like a 1040 is an affidavit. It's voluntarily filed. It's sworn under penalty of perjury. We tell them flat out right at the beginning of it, we intend that this is our tax return if we're required to file one. Um, we include all the information that they already have, mostly, <coughs> concerning a person's revenues. Guys, you know, The guys who've been filing these are, are recipients of the <coughs> 1099, so that they know that the service already knows how much money they made last year. They got a W-2. So we put in the information that we said we made so-and-so much money, um, you know, performing our job. We never use, we assiduously avoid the, uh, the defined terms that appear on a Form 1040. We never use the term wages. We never use the term employee. We never use the term employer. We don't use any of the terms that appear in the Internal Revenue Code we say we right. worked for this guy he paid us money these are my gross revenues you know we don't say it's our income we you know we don't use we use none of the catchwords but we sincerely report all of our income and <laughs> these guys are fully withheld okay we, we don't we don't muck around with w4s when we sign a w4 we sign it under protest but we sign it and we say you know I signed this under duress and um, they they are fully withheld so their taxes are prepaid now what this does is it cuts off their ability to hit you with failure to file um, penalties failure to pay penalties are already paid you're already you're going to file they're not going to hit you with failure to file penalties if you file one of these documents and uh, what it has done is it has thrown them into a complete tizzy. They do not know what to do with these documents. So we have a few now that are coming up to their three year assessment statute. Uh, limitations date. Mm-hmm. They, got three year, they got three years from the day you sign, from the day you file a tax return to assess your taxes. <clears throat> and I've got several of these that are coming up now to their three-year um, uh, expiration date of the statute, and they have not yet made an assessment. Now, in several cases, we've had, we've seen them attempt to go ahead with uh, uh, substitutes for return. They're they're trying to pretend that we didn't file. They're trying to pretend that these are you know this is not a valid tax return, and so they're going they're rolling into the um, uh, notice of deficiency procedures. However, even after a notice of deficiency goes by, and you've ex- and you let it go, you, you miss your 90 day deadline for tax court. <clears throat> they will then send you another notice called a CP 22 or a CP 22E, <clears throat> which is still simply a proposal for you to agree that they can assess these taxes. We never agree. And we protest and we say, we filed a tax return. Your substitute for return is based on nothing at all. You never audited my tax return. And we keep you know, we just keep hammering away. I want an audit. I want an audit hearing. I want it tomorrow. I want it as soon as you can schedule it at a at an office convenient to my home. They will not schedule these things. They do the not very interesting They just keep keep trying to get you to volunteer to do something. Exactly. They will not acknowledge this document as anything but correspondence. They never refer to it as a return. But it is a valid return. We have documentations that that show that it is. Um, This stuff is coming to a head. I'm very eager to see how it's going to shake out. I need a nice, clean – I got a couple of nice, clean clients, guys who don't have a big history uh, with the service with penalties and – protests and all kinds of levies and stuff you know um i want a guy who's never ever filed anything but a 1040 is is my ideal client who starts now filing requests for determination he files them for three years and then we sue for a refund because there is no assessment you know we won't we won't be arguing the law and this document that i'm talking about does not argue the law It doesn't talk about the law not at all it sounds very solid it sounds very solid The only mention of the law is from uh, Glenn Ambort's work, where he discovered a regulation in the corporate sections that says that there is income that is not taxable by the federal government under the Constitution. So that's the only regulation we mentioned in this request for determination. We say, you know, I'm aware of this regulation that says that there's income not taxable under the Constitution. However, as much as I've searched, as hard as I've looked, I can't find any procedure that will allow me to determine whether my income is exempt under the Constitution or not. I haven't been able to find any procedures for doing so. And what I'm doing is I'm asking the secretary to make that determination for me, to inform me of his determination, to send me a bill for the taxes that he determines that I owe, but I want him to certify that I owe it. I want him to swear, just as is required by Section 6065. Somebody will swear I owe it, I'll pay it. But nobody's got my that yeah. That's very cool. That's
7: very cool. Um it's you know, working gonna, very well. <laughs> I wanna I want I'm gonna ask you one more question and I'm gonna mute myself uh for other people to ask you. And that is I've always been curious because I've got copies of the Internal Revenue Manual and I've looked for it where it says that every single form of uh tax document that homeowners, American citizens ever file is a category five gift. And it's all gifts, and it's I not a tax assessment, yes. and it's not it's not listed as income. It's listed as a gift, and Very from a ten forty to a W two to a ten ninety nine to, you know, an eighty ten eighty three or whatever. They all say it's a gift. You're right. I've, uh, I've seen it. So, the tax class so five. Right. So would you please would you please explain that? And I'm going to mute out. Um, but uh, other people have other things to ask. But please, would you, would you clarify
2: that for me? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I wish I could clarify it for you. Uh, I suspect that it is, it is, you know, some of the, some of the background noise of the, you know, the, the, the backscatter radiation <laughs> from the fact that this really is a voluntary tax, that it really is an excise, and that none of us really are, are, are engaged in these, or that very few of us are engaged in these privileged activities that would require us um, to, to pay the tax. You know, why, why it's classified like that, I, c- I can't imagine why. Um, but I know that there is, there is a gold mine, there's a treasure trove in your individual master file, which is one of the reasons that the service has stopped giving them out now. They have come up with some bogus excuse saying that these transcripts are no longer available <clears throat> under the Privacy Act, and uh, I have not found anybody who could get their real IMF, the, the, uh, the unvarnished raw data that you used to be, it should be available for the asking because there is too much embarrassing information in there for them to do that now. And uh, there's a number of suits. Um, uh, Rob Mitchell, have you heard of him? He's, uh, he's, he's, he's running a couple of lawsuits right now. Uh, Michael Ellis, I believe, also is involved in a, uh, in a lawsuit that is challenging the validity of substitutes for return. Hmm. These these oh, documents
5: yeah, I saw completely
2: something fraudulent, out. yeah. Um they're they're pretty good pleading. they they've both they've both been dismissed or lost in district court um that I know of and I think Ra- Rob McNeil has most definitely taken his to the uh, to the appeals court. But I He's haven't got, spoken a, to he's a, got while. a video, I think. Rob McNeil.
1: He, yeah, I think yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, I think he's but, been on our call.
2: Yeah, and he went uh, a few years ago, I guess back in about 2008 or 2009 he had a very successful well he had a successful case of opposing um uh iris summons you know they they, they sued him to to try and get him and he he backed them down they dropped out right before they were about to walk ah, to the courtroom yeah what a, what a treat that is oh, <laughs> that doesn't yeah. happen very often boy i'll tell you
1: no, and when it does, oh, you feel like a million bucks. Don't <laughs> you? You feel 10 feet he, Oh. Yeah. I took them on and I beat their asses. Oh, boy. Yeah, the servant <laughs> went to that
2: judge and they said, okay, he's already complied. No problem. And then they, they just walked away. He never gave them anything.
1: Yeah, well, they never admit anything. <laughs>
2: no, they never do. Victory is when they just leave you alone. Yeah, They won't ever admit you're right.
1: That seems to be the case. You know, they don't like leaving documented evidence laying around anywhere. Well, certainly do not. Yeah. Uh, anybody have a question? Press star 8, and uh, I'll put you in the queue. I wanted to ask as you. As, as far as tax court cases go, there, there
2: are many different types. Uh, uh, the Tax court has jurisdiction over a real scattering of stuff, but the only two types of cases that I handle are notice of deficiency cases and um, follow-ups after CDP hearings. And uh, we have a very excellent. I, I don't know if Ward said he was going to be on the call, but Ward has a Ward Dean. is he here. Doctor Dean has a uh, has a very very good case going in uh, tax court right now concerning the legitimacy of uh, of uh, the liens that were filed against him, which were signed as so many of them are by a guy named M Cox, and they were signed for. Um, a revenue agent, a revenue officer (RO) named Catherine Sands. Now, Catherine Sands, through uh, through Ward's earlier uh, litigation, he he found out that she, that's a pseudonym, and uh, we actually just stumbled across it. They they gave it to us in their in their pleading when they claimed, "Oh no, no, she didn't sign," because the IRM says that if a if a uh, an agent using a pseudonym signs a uh, uh, any document filed with a court. That they must um, indicate on the document that they are signing with a pseudonym they don 't have to say what their real name is, but they have to, they have to say on the actual filed document that this is a fake name oh, good. And, she, and she did not, of course, because somebody else signed for her, so we looked into that, and uh, so what the, the what the service claimed in their brief was that oh no well she 's not the signatory they said that uh, They said that um, you know that Michael Cox was a signatory. So, and they also indicated a a very uh, a very nice uh, delegation order that we could look up. They said it was delegation order such and such. So we look it up, and it turns out that revenue officers like Catherine Sands are indeed authorized to sign, and and are a whole list of other people. But Michael Cox was the uh, he was the general manager of the loan process or the lien processing unit. And right at the end of the delegation order, it says that lean processing employees are specifically excluded from signing notices of lean. So we had them both ways. Catherine Sands, if she was going to consider, be considered the signatory, uh, used a pseudonym and didn't reveal it that she did. So that was made it invalid. And M. Cox worked for the lean processing unit, so he was specifically prohibited from signing these notices, and uh-huh. he did sign them anyway. So we got them going both ways. You know, neither way is is uh, is procedurally proper.
1: Oscar Stilly and uh, Lindsay Springer uh, went through that. Didn't you? Are you familiar with them? I am. I know them. I know them both. I know yeah. them both. I,
2: I, I, Oscar did some work for me years ago when I was living in Costa Rica. God. Yeah, the <laughs> they're
1: in forever. I mean, in fifteen ridiculous. years. Ridiculous.
2: Ridiculous. They didn't I mean,
1: harm a single soul. <laughs>
2: The injustice of it is astonishing to me, breathtaking. But Oscar, Oscar was a lawyer. You know, I know. You can't take that. They they will not, they will not tolerate a lawyer, um, working for the tax honesty movement. They will not tolerate it. I know. Um, that aware
1: um, that was on the stand, it was green. Remember yeah. her name? Green.
5: Yes. Okay. And
1: it was the same thing. She was. She didn't know she was. She, uh, 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 Lindsay showed her the document with her signature on it. She doesn't. She didn't remember signing it. It was a stamp. Because <laughs> she remember? never signed, it right? <laughs> right. And he proved right there that they yeah. no, don't. But it didn't matter. They still put him away forever. Had to teach him a lesson, yeah. right? I mean, they're, 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 they're. I mean, Irwin died in prison. Is Oscar and Lindsay gonna also die in prison?
2: It's it's not impossible. You don't you don't live a very healthy life in a prison. I know. I no, I hate
1: these. I hate this no. that's going on and, and and Eddie Kane and Kent Hovind and Sam Davis and all. No. Well, Sam no. in for other reasons, not to do but, with the IRS.
2: But mostly these are political prisoners.
1: You know? Yeah, that's, that's it. That's it. It's a sad.
2: It's a very sad situation. Doreen Hendrickson. Now, Doreen Hendrickson's case is very interesting because it is not a tax case much as the government tried to portray it as one. What Doreen Hendrickson is in in prison for is contempt of court. In other words, the court ordered her to sign a 1040. And so she signed it, and she wrote – and remember, she had to sign a 1040X because she had already filed a tax return. So she had to file a 1040X, and the 1040X has a field that says, why are you amending your return? And Doreen wrote in there, because the court ordered me to. There you
1: <laughs> oh, go, under duress.
2: Under duress. So, but the IRS would not accept it.
1: No. I said, no, exactly. this is
2: not an acceptable thing.
1: So the court is holding her in contempt because... The
2: court held her in contempt. It took them two jury trials to convict her. They learned a lesson. I was at both trials. The first oh. trial, she was allowed to, to present a defense, essentially. In fact, I helped her write the uh, you know, her closing argument in the first case. And uh, sure enough, she hung that jury. There was a guy in there who, who who understood what was going on. They were simply trying to coerce her into signing an affidavit. This is absurd. This is, this is such a huge power grab. It's it's just, you know it really is breathtaking the, the 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 power grab that this represents. And so now you know she's in jail basically because um, she couldn't uh, she couldn't sign this thing in good conscience. That's right. And so she, and and so she's now in jail. For, for you know, not for any tax evasion or tax crime, but for failing to sign a document that she um, did not believe was true. Right. They didn't swear that it was true. It's, and it's one a
1: confession. Of the, they can't make her sign a confession. Well,
2: but an astonishing jury, and in an astonishing jury instruction, the jury was instructed that the lawfulness of the court's order was not a defense against um, failing to sign it. So, in other words, the court can yeah, order I was you
1: say, say to
2: anything. The lawfulness of the court's order, the, or the unlawfulness of it, was not a defense against the charge. So In other words, what, what they're saying is what the what judge ordered okay. her to do doesn't necessarily have to be legal. The judge can order her to do anything.
1: So we're and if she
2: doesn't obey, she's yeah. going to prison.
1: That's bull. That's bull. That's bull. Okay, Central Florida, you had your hand up a long time. I'm sorry, I just now saw it. Go ahead. Did you have a question or a comment for our guest speaker?
8: Yes, I do. I do have a question. Okay. There uh, are actually two that sort of go together. Okay. Uh, factually, what is the Notice of Intent to Levy, and can uh, Section 6065 stop it? Hmm. Or,
2: Good or question, Right, it's it's not. I mean, notice of intent to levy is not a levy. Um, it is your final notice that they are preparing to um, levy your assets in one way or another. Generally, it will go. It, if you're a W-2 employee, I mean, that's that's their logical their logical target is any liquid cash flow that you have. And you know, they prefer your job or your retirement benefits or your whatever it is. You know, that's their levered. Their their preferred levy source is going to be a cash flow source, and uh, the notice itself is it it, it triggers your CDP rights. It's, you you have 30 days from the time you get one to ask for a CDP hearing. Um, well, they didn't get okay. it. Uh,
8: oh. now, you asked for it. They per- I'm I'm sorry. I I don't mean. It. I don't mean to be rude jumping in, but let me jump in real quick. Um, Previously, they did give the information for a CDP hearing.
2: Right. they gave you the opportunity. They,
8: right, but they denied that saying there was no
2: levy. There was no levy. I'm not following you. notice of levy doesn't – there would not have been a levy.
8: Well, they sent a threatening letter before, but they also included with that letter CDP hearing request.
2: Right. Okay. Well, that means that was the final notice before they're going to start it. Yeah. Well. You have 30, you have thirty days you get that letter to apply for a CDP hearing.
8: Okay, I did that before. They
1: denied the hearing.
2: Now they're saying Why they claim they denied the hearing?
1: Uh You must have presented a frivolous argument because Nancy. The, I'm going to tell you right now. If you mm-hmm. want a CDP hearing, <clears throat> excuse me. When they ask you for the reason why, just say. I have a problem with your figures. Your numbers don't add up right.
2: Right. Well, I'm beyond that. But, uh, yeah, usually <clears throat> I mean, what that, we say is there were procedural defects in the assessment or something. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right.
2: <laughs> but but we, Nancy, we never... Nancy, Lee,
8: Nancy Lee of the IRS claims uh, uh, frivolous and intent to uh, evade.
2: Delay. Yeah. Or right. delay. Um. Yeah, that's what they do to deny it. That's why it's... A good idea to say as little as possible on a CDP hearing request. Yeah. Um, we always ask face to face. We never get them. Um,
1: you do hear. Well,
2: <laughs> it's, it's, it's so nice because
8: it's a 7th. So I got. It's what? If you fail to pay by the 14th. So if you fail to pay within seven days.
2: Oh, have you received a notice? Did you receive a notice of determination or she just turned you down flat? On the on the hearing, uh, you're, she you're just allowed, me down, amend, You're allowed to amend your request. How long ago? We well, yeah, to? but I I
8: didn't. But she I wrote her back saying, please let me know what's frivolous or uh, intent
2: yeah. to. Uh, Good luck with that.
1: I mean, uh, you can I, write um, a legitimate letter, and they're going to send you a frivolous bullshit penalty letter. Well, yeah, it doesn't have anything doesn't uh, pertain yeah. to anything you wrote in your letter.
2: Their ten- so. their tendency when you. If if you have a really strong uh, situation, or if you put them in a position where they know they're going to have trouble, is they'll call it frivolous, you know, just just to avoid it. You know, just right. Right. Yeah. Right. I agree. You know, frivolous, um, those frivolous penalties are powerful in their favor. You know, I, I've I've seen people who have to literally have to surrender and and go back onto the plantation because. Uh, the the sheer weight of frivolous return penalties is going to you know, put them in the poorhouse. Right. You know, talk-
5: well, I've seen guys good, with you- $125,000. Oh, gee, my
2: God. Oh, yeah.
8: But
5: you, no, mentioned a,
2: re- <laughs> you mentioned okay. a request for determination.
5: Well, not uh, which, which is
2: supposed to be signed. There are, well, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to recommend this to anybody. I do not recommend filing these to anybody. You have to go into this with your eyes open, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you know, you're taking on a pretty big opponent here, a very powerful. A gang opponent. of
8: liars and thieves is all they are.
2: But. Right, a gang of liars and thieves, but you know, the request for determination. And remember, I recommend that you are fully prepaid, if possible, pay extra. You know, you don't want to be short. When they try to come up with a, you know, some reason to say, oh, you owe more money, well, make sure they've already got it because that cuts off their source of, of penalties. All penalties for failure to file and failure to pay are based on the unpaid balance.
1: So you know, all, all the politicians do yeah. that. Yeah, there's they, no. get, they, they get a refund. They just tell them to carry it over to the next one yeah. so they don't get the refund. You know, they just let it ride in case.
2: but the rfds have not we have not received any frivolous return penalties for these rfds yet Uh, i have had one threat which went away when we answered the letter Uh, i just recently received another threat that was so vague i didn't even know what letter they were referring to it didn't refer to a tax year it didn't refer to any particular document said they, it was a document they received on a certain date. They received it on November something of, of 2015. And we looked back through our stuff, and we, can't, we couldn't figure out what exactly it is because it came from an office that we had never sent anything to. So we didn't have any idea you know, what they were talking about. And we wrote them back, and we said, yeah, okay, I need a copy of the letter. I don't know what you're talking about. I haven't sent you anything. I never sent anything to this office. What's an RFD? Uh, request for determination. Oh, okay. So,
8: so what you're describing is a method to get your money back after you've paid the tax, or Absolutely. what Absolutely.
2: Well, okay. if, if you know, we haven't reached reached the point yet where we're thinking about getting our money back, and that's not going to be an easy fight. But um, I'm coming up now to the three year. Remember, they have three years to to file. They're three years to assess you after you file. Well, I've got several requests for determination now that were filed almost exactly three years ago and there have been no assessments done. And so okay. we have, you know, we're going to sue now. We're going to say, yeah, we requested a determination. We requested a refund. Our, our request for determination is also a request for a refund. You know, we we say flat out in there, we say, we want if you do not determine that I owe these taxes and send me a bill for them, then I want my money back. You know? So we're asking for a refund. Um, they've got three years to assess. We plan to file the lawsuit like two days before the three-year statute expires.
8: Okay, so you're demanding a, a written signed assessment.
2: We're talking if about was- a, an assessment, right. And we know we haven't got an assessment because they haven't sent us a bill. You know, They haven't sent us anything. They haven't sent us a notice of deficiency. In several cases, we have received notices of deficiency. And you know, we we battle them tooth and nail. We say, hey, listen, uh, you know, you, this notice of deficiency is not based on my tax return. And we send them a copy of the tax return that we sent the request for determination. We said, this is my tax return. It's never been audited. I want it audited right now. There are procedures. There are procedures in place called um, what do you call audit and assessment audit and dis- assessment um, redetermination. And you can apply if they do a substitute for return. There are procedures in the Internal Revenue Manual that tell you how you can uh, actually file your own return and have the substitute for return abandoned. And so we follow those procedures and we say we want audit and assessment reconsideration based on this tax return that I'm now sending you. Um, It's all new information. Um, It's signed under penalty perjury. It's a valid return. I want my taxes determined off this return, not off of your substitute for return. Audit and
8: assessment redetermination?
2: Reconsideration, it's called. It's in, it's in the, uh, if you do a search in the internal revenue manual, you will find it, and there are procedures there for how to go about it. And this is, this is the procedures. we. You know, they can't. They're stuck. They're, they're in a tough, they're in a jam because they cannot declare you liable if you don't declare yourself liable. That's why these RFDs are being ignored because they don't know how to handle them. Secretary is under section 6201 required to uh, determine and assess taxes. So is
8: a 1040X sort of a an assessment
2: reconsideration. In my in my in my opinion, a a form 1040 is a declaration of liability. And any and once you've done that, whether you file an amended return or not, you've already declared yourself liable, and and they're, they're going to move right ahead. And you can see it in the differences between the, I have clients who have filed um, cracking the code style returns for certain years, okay, and then filed amended returns and this and that. Once they have, once the IRS has a a Form 1040 in their hand from you, signed into penalty perjury, you're liable. That's that. And they come after you aggressively. However, with these requests for determination, they handle them entirely differently they ignore they you know they dodge and they bob and they weave and they will not address your questions uh, it it's a whole different thing they're much less aggressive they're much less um uh, certain that you're their target they you know they try to scare you they try to they try to you know jigger things around to get you to volunteer but if you don't volunteer they don't know what to do so your your reconsideration is a
8: homemade sort of 1040 form, for lack of a better word, and oh, not absolutely. an actual oh, 1040
2: it's, form. It's, it's a homemade. It's a homemade form. But I have the uh, I have the chief counsel memos that say that, that tell the IRS how they're supposed to handle these forms, but the IRS doesn't follow that that memo. No, they don't follow anything. They're liars and <laughs> thieves. <laughs> the hard, The hardest thing to get them to do is follow their own rules. You know, once you know the rules, they have a lot of trouble with you.
1: Yeah, there was that deter- that that report from, who was that report was from, was it the Attorney General or mm-hmm. I forget who, that said that the IRS, you can't rely on anything they do.
2: Oh, the GAO reports. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, too, because that, that comes around to the, um, we have used GOA, uh, GAO reports in tax court cases now. I've been using them for at least the last year or so. And uh, what we do is we introduce the GAO reports as impeachment evidence against their uh, computerized records. Right. You now, la- if you if you're familiar with, have seen any of these GAO audits for the last 20 years, they've said that the IRS records are just junk. They're unreliable. They're you know they're inaccurate. They're not secure. They're tampered with. They're you know yeah. it's one thing after another. And, and so what we do is, you know, the, the, the presumption of correctness that a Form 4340 gets as a proof of assessment is, um, is conditional. Um, all the courts agree that says it, this presumption is only conditioned on the fact that no evidence was um, introduced that would, uh, that would say that there's some problem with the IRS records. Well, we've been introducing this. We've been introducing this evidence that says there's most definitely a problem with IRS records, and so the tax court just doesn't know how to handle it. They have to ignore it. They just blow us off, and they ignore the you know the evidence. I remember all of our you know whenever you the, the stipulation of facts in a, in a tax court case is a key document that most um, you know most pro se people going into tax court have no idea what a stipulation of facts is. And, and what it is is that the rules require you to agree to everything that, you know, is reasonably not in dispute. And so what the IRS does is they put together this document and they give it to the guy who's running his own case who doesn't have any idea what it is. And they tell him, well, these are the facts that, you know, that we see and these are the documents we're going to use. Well, the guy signs it and he doesn't realize that he's, it, he's, he's allowing them to go into evidence against him without any objection whatsoever. They just don't know. But, you know, when we get a stipulation of facts, we object to every document as hearsay. We object that every document is unsworn. We object
1: that every document is not from personal
2: knowledge. And it puts them on the spot, you know.
1: Is that it for you, Central Florida?
8: Yeah, it adds to the confusion, but it does clarify
1: a few things. Thank you very much. You're welcome. I'm sorry if that's the case. But you know what? Come through. Listen to me. Oh, let me. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead, Central Florida.
8: Yeah, let me be real fast. Uh, the form forty three forty is the form the IRS sends you with numbers on it saying pay us. Am I correct? Um,
2: it it's one of the forms. Um you, you could certainly have received the forty three forty. You might also have received what they call a transcript. Um there's there's different styles of transcripts. Some of the transcripts uh, the simplified transcript that they send to taxpayers will have an explanation of of the codes and and you know it'll be a very brief and and vague explanation, but at least it's something. And then your real your real IMF records are heavily coded and very very difficult to to uh, to uh, interpret 200. without without Not a without,
1: decoder manual
2: without a decoder manual and, and some experience you know.
1: And the the, the but, only but one the form, that's available is from uh, I think what two thousand and three. Yeah. Right. Yeah, 40, I,
2: I, I don't know. Yeah.
8: The, the form
1: 4340 is
8: not an assessment, and ne- and neither is it really an audit.
2: It's just right. And they and the they case. know they know that it's not. You know, the courts even say that it it has a presumption of they give it a presumption of of uh, verifying a, an assessment. They also use it in CDP cases. You know, the law reads that the um, that the uh, appeals officer must at the hearing obtain verification from the secretary that all laws and procedures are followed. Well, what they do is they say, oh, well, this 40 fee 40, that's the verification, even though it's not, it's not sworn, you know, it's not, it's, it doesn't verify anything.
8: And there's no OMB number on <laughs> it.
2: No, there's no OMB number at all, but it's not a, it's not a data collection form. OMB numbers have to be on, Forms where they're collecting data, not where they're giving it to you. Uh, Mountain
1: Dog asked, but I think you already answered this. Uh, if uh, you think a notice of federal tax lien is also hearsay evidence, well, and,
2: and the ones you get are because they're not signed under penalty of perjury. Uh, they're they're generally defective as recordable documents. You know, I, I think I think the way to attack those, although we, although. Ward has got an excellent case right now going against a a couple of leads that were filed against him.
1: Okay, but you don't want to tip your cards. You don't want to tip your hand. The, the, oh. the briefs already filed. Okay. I mean,
2: there's not you know there's nothing to hide here. Okay. Uh, the brief is already in. Uh, we were. I was very surprised to see that we were able to. Um, that we were required to file serial briefs. Serial oh. briefs are, are a great advantage to the. <clears throat> to the guy who goes first, to the guy with the burden of proof, goes first. What's a serial brief? There, there's two types of briefs in tax court. They can they can be simultaneous, which means both parties submit them to the court, but the court doesn't reveal them to the other party until the, the due date. And the uh, and the other way is called seriatim briefs, which means that um, uh, the plaintiff goes first, then the respondent replies, and then the plaintiff goes last and replies to that. So that's the kind of brief we prefer. You get the last word. You, know, you get to see what they say. You get to set up the case, and they have to respond to you. Well, in Ward's case, um, we laid it out very, very carefully. What, what they do in tax court, they ignore the literal language of the, uh, of the statute. The statute says that, you, that the appeals officer must obtain verification from the secretary that everything was done right. Now, obtain verification means you've got to get it from somebody else. But what the tax court has been allowing the service to do, they've been allowing the uh, appeals officers to simply say, oh, yeah, I verify that every procedure in law was followed. That's that. She doesn't have to swear to it. Um, she doesn't have to say what she did to verify it. She just says, yeah, I verify it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a verification in the statutory sense of the word. And so that is really the, the target that our brief is aimed at. And Ward has been uh, very diligent about digging up tax court pleadings. Now they're not easy to get. They're not on Pacer. You can't you can't just go in and, and order them electronically. You got to order them from the court clerk, and you got to pay a buck a page for a hard copy. Oh That's gosh, unbelievable. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but Ward has been very good about going back. Uh, To try to see, you know, we couldn't figure out in time for our brief whether or not other people had already argued it. Our our brief was was focused very tightly on the statutory construction of the word verification, Mm. and and we we did 25 pages (laughs) on the statutory construction of the word verification. Uh We found all kinds of authority. A verification is a sworn document, and there ain't no getting around it. It's nothing else. It's not a form 4340. It's something that must be sworn under penalty of perjury to be true. And you do not get a verification in your CDP hearing cases. You absolutely don't. And uh, so we've, we've argued this very strongly in, in, in the court. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see them sit on this for a long time. The, the toughest cases that I've done, the ones that they really struggle with, I've, I've waited 12, 13, 15 months.
1: What's the difference between verified, verification and valid, validated?
2: Um, I don't know that there is one. I, don't, I really don't know okay. uh, usually the terms that that uh, cover verification are certification, verification, um, sworn, uh, you know there, there's a number of synonymous terms, but verification in its statutory sense, there's no doubt about it. it means sworn, and we're not getting any sworn statement from anybody at the IRS that says all procedures were followed, and that's all we're looking for and, and but yeah. you know good luck getting it. yeah, I've never seen it. The tax court has exempted the the IRS from Section 6065. 6065 says that uh, all documents required under this title must be signed under penalty purchase. It doesn't say all documents presented by taxpayers. It says all of them, period. Section 6065? Yeah. I think it's 6065.
1: Well, that's interesting. I never knew that. Yes. Okay, uh, Central Florida. Is that it yeah, for you? Yeah, is
8: 6065 subtitle A, B, C, or D?
2: I think it's an A, but I couldn't swear to it. But
1: 64, 60, 64? 6064?
2: No, I'm 60, sorry, 6065. 60,
8: let me see. Let's see. we we'll do 26 USC. And uh, yes, that's all for me. Thank you, Angela, and a uh, timely and uh, great guest. Thank you. Yeah, 6065
2: is verification of returns, and we okay. used it. In, we we most definitely used it in our brief, because we what I, what we were doing in the brief is we were looking for, we were looking for examples of where in the law the word verification has been used, and wherever you see it in the law, it means, um, it means sworn. And and this this code section 6065, even the title says verification of returns. It's using, the, it's using the word verification in its actual statutes. Yeah,
1: I like that. Yeah, yeah. Are you going to um, make that available for uh, uh, yeah. Dr. Yeah. Dean's paper? If,
2: if Dr. Dean doesn't mind, I'll, I'll be happy to. Or, you know, but I, I've got redacted copies of it. I'd, I'd be, love
1: to read it. I'd be happy to post it. I'll send
2: it along. You can post it wherever you like.
1: Thank you so much. I sent
2: you a copy of an RFD the other day, too. I, I do not claim any proprietary. I make no proprietary claim over over request for determination. But what I ask when I hand them out is that, remember, the key to success with this thing is to not argue the law. I see, you know, after, after years of experience in federal courts and in, in the tax court in particular, but, but you know, I've, I've observed and, and helped in other cases that are not in the, not in the tax court, that are in federal courts, I've, I've come to realize that you are going to get nowhere arguing the Internal Revenue Code.
1: Oh yeah, that's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. <laughs> they know? don't even know what it says.
2: No, and they don't care. It says what they want it to say, and that's what it's going to say. You know, whatever you say, it says it doesn't matter. Yeah. So I we don't argue the law. I don't talk about the law, and and it's a it's actually an advantage. You know, people like us, people who know the law, people who studied the law. Uh, you know, we I, re, I remember my, my days of, of coming across this information from Irwin and and Pete and, and and Eddie and everything else and thinking, wow, geez, you know, why don't we take this into court and show them, you know, show them what the law really yeah. says and we'll be okay. Well, what a naive chump I was. Like, we
1: all were. Unbelievable. We all were. I called the IRS three times because Irwin said he would pay $50,000 to anyone yeah. that could provide, you know, the code that... Requires the average American to pay tax. Well, I was hot to trot on that. I tell you, and I thought I kept calling back because I kept saying these damn government phones. I'm getting disconnected, and sh- here they were <laughs> hanging up on me.
3: <laughs> Unbelievable!
1: You know, oh, they put me on hold, and then after a minute or two, click. You know,
2: but 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 here's the thing. You know, here's the thing about that. Arguing the law is is an exercise of futility, but. Discussing the facts, I think, is what really puts them on the spot. And and you ask them for the what are the facts that make me liable? You know, what are the what are the facts that make me subject to this tax? What have I done? Uh, am, am I just shifting air in and out of my lungs? Is that sufficient to make me liable for this tax? Is that,
1: that's about uh, it? Huh? You just be born here, and <laughs> you can be born anywhere. Actually, they say it's worldwide income. So. That's
2: right. Does the fact that I have a pulse does that does that mean that that's I'm it. subject?
1: Yeah, there's a couple other folks waiting to ask you questions here. So, um, oh, I wanted to ask you one thing first. Uh, you sent me a couple of items here. This one you sent me. You said it's a an RFD. Yeah, it's redacted. Okay, so I can share this with everybody. No, please, you you absolutely may. All right, good. And also, I that's... would
2: urge people if they decide to use one of these things, do not underestimate the battle that you're going to get started on here. You're going to generate a lot of correspondence. This is going to go down the road. You will pay slightly more in taxes than you would have otherwise, oh. but you're not going to pay two and three times the amount that we would otherwise have paid, you know, because of because of uh, penalties.
1: Those well, of the people on our group's been dealing with the IRS for a while, so they're pretty <clears> happy. You know stuff. what they're getting into,
2: right? I yeah. think
1: so. Those of you that are not, though, do your studying. Don't right. Go the jumping other, in with uh, the other
2: caveat. The other caveat I would make is that the one I sent you, I think, was for a guy who did ten ninety nines. The ones for W twos are slightly different.
1: Uh, and they're, all,
2: they're all custom jobs.
1: What are you talking about here? I have this affidavit return of tax, right. Twenty
2: thirteen. Uh huh. And if you go through that, you'll, I think it was for a guy who received ten ninety nine reports. There's a couple of lines in there. That where he cha- we always challenged we always challenge the uh, the information life. returns
1: mm-hmm. the facts that you prove payments I received are right. reportable right subject of the tax for which the IRS has demanded this return yeah. the identity of witnesses who will testify to those fa- I love this
2: yeah I mean we're looking for facts. And it's
1: only a couple of pages three pages right. three pages right I love that see that's I've, the way everything should be
2: by administrative rule. <laughs> for answering administrative inquiries of any kind as if you cannot say it in a two-page letter, you're trying to say too much. And I make the exception to go to three pages for this particular item because it's a it's a key document. But I almost never write more than a two-page letter.
1: That's the best way. I, I try to yeah. keep them down to a paragraph. Are you familiar yeah. with Carl Lentz and his Carl methodology? Oh,
2: I don't know, but I know that name.
1: He's got his own way of doing things, and I yeah. I think it's the best. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Although <coughs> well, I'm I won't geek- speak I'm to the man <laughs> again, but I love his methodology. <laughs> but go ahead. What?
2: But I'm always eager to hear about people who are you know who are working it, who are working the working the service. Oh yeah.
1: Know? Well, he's, yeah, what's
2: You what's going on. Up,
1: you got to look at some of our old calls. Also on on YouTube, there's uh, people that have taken all of his audios and cut them into clips so you get Uh the pertinent part yeah just it's carl with a k um, he's like the common law guy right yeah okay all right we're gonna uh unmute let's see who's here Uh, ali mohammed go ahead my dear
8: oh wait I, i got in the middle of something how you doing angela
1: i'm fine thank you how are you i'm
8: pretty good who is your guest tonight
1: our guest tonight is Lysander Venable. Uh, the only other doing, Lysander sir? I ever heard of was Spooner. You know what he sounds
7: like? You know who I thought uh-uh. he was? Who? You know he sounds like Frederick Gray.
1: Oh, yeah, he does a little bit. Oh, Fred Gray? I mean, a little
9: bit. Uh, I know like Fred Gray pretty nice. well. Right, and I talk to him from time to time. And I thought you were him. But I'm I, I, oh. I listening to the tax code and everything. I'm listening to the program. It's pretty good. Pretty good, guest. And I thank you for the information. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pass. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna listen
5: in. Thank you very okay. much. Have a good one. All right. Thank you. Me too. Bye.
1: Bye. Yeah, I think uh, Fred Graves was just on. Was it Tad's call or Greg? Was that you? I don't know if Gregory had him on his call or.
2: Yeah, Fred's, uh, Fred sells the dictionary. Uh, uh, jurisdictionary, jurisdictionary. Course, right? sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I hired Fred when I was living in Costa Rica. He, he did a little work for me.
1: Why would you move from Costa Rica? Why would you come back? Because I had to, you know, I, could,
2: I could, I had trouble making a living down there, and my my wife's mother, my wife's mother needed our help, and you know we just we couldn't stay. Yeah, I, I would like to have stayed, believe me.
1: Really, it's that nice.
2: I like Costa Rica a lot. I oh. like the coast. I like the Costa Ricans. Um, I like, you know, the climate is just unbelievable, and um, you it's know, not, I mean, it's not it's, humid. In a way, <laughs> yeah, it's humid
1: oh, I don't <laughs> but I, li-
2: it. I lived in Key West, Florida for thirty years oh okay humidity doesn't bother me <laughs> as a matter of fact, Key West was i mean Costa Rica was infinitely more comfortable than really than oh yeah, well, it's tropical, it's only nine degrees above the tro- above the equator, but wow. um, we were at four thousand feet, you know on the side of a hill overlooking yeah. the valley, and it was it was in the seventies during the daytime and the sixties at night. It rained in the afternoon in the summer, mm. and uh, every day was 12 hours long, and it, it was perfect. I mean, wow. it, was, it was a climate where all you had to own was shorts and a T-shirt, and if you wanted to get dressed <laughs> up, you know, you could, you could put on a fancy T-shirt.
1: <laughs> do you know Roger Sales? I do. He's I over don't. there in Chile, I'm, isn't he, or somewhere in Argentina? Yeah, no, yeah, he's down there.
2: He's right. He is in, he's in Argentina. I was on his show a little while ago.
1: Yeah, he's been on ours.
2: Yeah, he's, a, he's I, an interesting guy. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I, you know, I, I loved living in a um, in a in a Spanish environment. Uh, I I really enjoy Spanish. It's a uh, it's a very formal uh, kind of tippy toes around tippy toes around the point, much more so than English does. English is English is kind of punchy, you know. Yeah.
1: There's a beautiful place I went to years ago called um, Manzanillo. Oh, yeah. Colima, uh-huh. and if I had my brothers, I'd be there right now. But it's—I'd only be there in the winter time, it's too humid for me. <laughs> I can't handle that. Not by, the,
2: not by the coast, you know. Once you're out of the, there's a valley that where 75 percent of Costa Ricans live in the what they call the Central Valley, and it's at an elevation between 3,000 and 4,000 feet.
1: So you're up high. So that's yeah, which that's cool area. It yeah.
2: Well, it's just wonderful.
1: But you got to go a about you an hour drive coast. to go snorkeling, though.
2: Yeah, you go down to the coast, and it is steamy. It is tropical. Yeah. It is hot.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't like that at all. All right. Let's see. Next up is uh, Ed, clan of Chatton. Okay. Go ahead. Got a question for our guest speaker?
6: Hello there, Angela. How are you? And, and Losander, how are you?
1: Oh, Ed. How are you?
6: Pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, I just want to uh, give... Uh, Uh, I understand what you're talking about, and I've listened. And this, what I'm going to say uh, to you guys is uh, something that, if all else fails, this is a tool that you can put in your toolbox for absolute uh, uh, victory. In any case that you do, uh, especially the ones that are uh, commercial-type crimes, uh some felonies this this will work in too I, i'm sure it wouldn't work if, with murder or or um, you know rape, robbery or pillage but it will work with all the commercial crimes uh real well and it has worked in the past people have done this yeah. okay the question the question i want to ask you uh Lysander is uh since you know quite a bit about the court process and everything Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have an attorney, mm-hmm. what is the actual uh, uh, relation between you and the attorney? Do you do you know what that is?
2: Well, I'm pretty sure that you're like a ward of the court or something, or something along those lines. He's an officer of the court, and um, sorry, yeah,
6: you are sorry, sorry, he represents
2: right.
5: you. Right.
2: Yeah.
6: Exactly. He is you, actually. If you've ever right. had an attorney before, uh, in any cases, you'll find that okay. att- occasionally they'll tell you not you don't have to show up in trial, that that they can just go in and do what they're going to do sure. without you, right? Okay. But you will notice that you, you've never had an attorney ever, 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 ever. And you've never seen one. I know this because they don't do this. This is this is their Achilles heel. It's like cutting our cutting Samson's hair off. Okay, mm-hmm. but it's a risk. It's a risk that they have to take in order to do what they do. You know, they have to represent people to make money. But this is mm-hmm. one of the risks that they have to follow, and, and it is like cutting their hair off. Okay. Um <clears throat> When, when a person, it, if, if all else fails, if they did everything that you're talking about and they uh, can't get it to work for them and they go all the way up to um, conviction and either a jury or a judge just convicts them, this is something that, that, that Irwin Schiff should have done. He would have, he would have won his case if he had done this. But uh, you get to conviction if you get the conviction, that is, on any type of thing. I don't care if it's IRS or who it is. Uh, if you've got an attorney, okay, you got to make sure you have an attorney, uh, whether he's court-appointed or whether you purchased him, okay?
5: okay?
6: And the relationship between you two is he has your power of attorney to represent you. It's yes. a, it's a uh, simple – or no, it's a, a – um, Limited power of attorney is what that would be called. And you have limited and you have exclusive powers of attorney. He has a limited power of attorney to represent you in your case, okay? So when you get to the conviction, after conviction, the next thing is is what they call allocution or sentencing. Okay, and when you go uh, to sentencing, uh, generally this is what occurs. Either you walk up to the bench in front of the judge the attorney will stand about two paces over to the left or to the right, mm-hmm. and the judge will say this. Uh, well, before, before you come to the bench, he'll say, uh, will you please stand, rise and come to the bench for sentencing? That's what the judge will say, okay? And what you do is, if you want to win your case and 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 have a good laugh, okay, is... When the judge says that that's a request, okay you have to look at the words he says it's a request. it's not a command. If it was a command, he wouldn't have to ask you to rise and come forward to get to, to obtain sentencing. They wouldn't even have to bring you before sentencing you could get they could just from the jury's verdict they could take you directly to jail, okay, okay. They have to do the sentencing part that's important and and you'll see why. Okay, well, whenever that happens, what you do is, before you stand up, if you're at the counsel table, before you stand up and and come forward, you first tell the judge, Judge, uh, before I stand up and come forward, I need to ask my attorney a question. And the question you ask him is, Mr. Attorney, are you at this point continuing to represent me? On the record now. This is on the record. This is going on the record. And he will say yes. And then at that point in time, you should you should have already uh, uh, prepared you a, a, a prior statement for the court to give to the court uh, on this on this matter. Okay, but don't okay. give it to the court until after you you until you verbally tell the court what you're going to tell them. And what you okay. say to the judge is. Okay, Judge, uh, at this time, I'm not prepared to accept the sentence, voluntarily accept the sentence. I I realize that what you've said is you have actually asked me to voluntarily accept the sentence, and at this time, I'm not prepared to do that. Uh, My attorney will accept the sentence in my behalf. And then you go up and you and you give the paper that you've pre
2: prepared to the judge upon <laughs> the record so the that it's in the records. He goes
1: to jail?
2: Yeah, it'd be pretty alarming for the for the attorney, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> it might well, increase well, his lawyer. I'm not gonna do that. No, sir.
6: <laughs> well, that's what happens. The the, the attorney'll turn pink and red and every shade of color and then he'll start jumping up and down pawing the ground saying he can't accept it accept the uh, sentence, but then you can say to him, well, Mr. Attorney, you're representing me. You're you're actually me here in the court. I don't have to accept it. Either you can or I can, and I'm, I'm telling you to accept the, the sentence, and I know the judge is going to be snickering when you say that, and wh- and so the, the attorney will then either dismiss the case at that point, or he will... Yeah, the the ju- they'll have the cops come up and come around you to intimidate you, and the judge will try to rip, uh, threaten you with contempt of court or whatever.
5: Have
1: you done that?
6: <laughs> no, but I'm going to. I'm going to. Okay,
1: let me know how but, it works out for you because are you are you under right now? The lawyer's going to throw you under the bus.
5: Well, that's okay. okay. He, he, he can't that. do
1: that. He'll accept. That's one know. of the risks.
6: That's one of the risks that he, that he that's what I'm saying, that's one of the risks of an attorney that somebody might wake up and realize that actually uh, if you pass the sentence to him, he has to take it or dismiss the case. And so what they'll do is try to intimidate you, and they might even, the judge might even hold you in contempt for a day, but you've got to be willing to go the full length and don't recant. Do not recant on that.
2: Uh, keep me keep me posted on
1: how this yeah. goes. When are you going to court?
6: Well, I don't have one, a court hearing just yet, but I'm going. I'll, I'm going to deliberately go get one to do this. But I, yeah, I have Holy to get an wait. attorney. But make are sure you... you
2: are you are you under indictment or anything?
6: <laughs> no, not right now, not right now. But, when, but
2: what want to go out and commit a crime in order that you could try this out. Yes, I'll
0: have to. I'll
6: have to. <laughs> anyway, let me tell you. Me you let me tell you. you... <laughs> Let, let me tell you what not to do. Do
0: not tell the attorney
6: ahead of time. Do not file anything in the record at all that indicates that you're going to do this. You have to do it at the sentencing. Because
1: you know what? I don't, don't want anybody to do this at all until yeah. you've done it. Yeah, where'd you get this information? <laughs> People have done it before, Angela, and it's,
6: it's worked. It's worked. The, judge, okay. the attorney There's jumps case. up and down.
1: Where can I see that? You got a case number?
6: No, I, it's been a long time. It was a guy that that somebody told me about. I didn't know the guy. It was another guy that told me what he did, and I said, "Holy crap! I never thought of that." And oh I God. told this, to you, she, know, I thought, man,
5: you
2: know. I don't want to. I don't want to rain on your parade, and and this very well may be true, but it seems pretty risky to me. That's all.
1: Yeah, you're sticking what's your risky neck out.
5: About it? What's risky Tell me what's risky about
2: it. You know not what? Erwin
1: Schiff stuck his neck out for us. Yeah. And I mean, he died in prison.
2: Yeah, if they if they want you, they wanted Erwin. There was nothing. That's
1: right. There was nothing, there was no nothing judge, that Erwin could have done. Right. That's right.
2: There was but no Irwin judge, had, no decorator, no player
1: that could have got him off. They wanted Erwin. He didn't
2: and pass the
6: test to his attorney, though. He didn't pass it's, the test to his attorney.
2: There's no magic words.
1: No, Erwin Schiff had. Herwin had full blown three minute commercial spots on Howard Stern every morning, saturating the public from here to New York. Tell it with, why pay income tax when no law says you have to? I'm Irwin Schiff, and I can show you how, blah, 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 blah. You know what the, let me tell you something. Did you know what the
6: judge told hey, him when he, ta- when he said that to the judge?
1: Did
4: you know what the well,
1: judge told him? Let me tell you something, okay? It didn't matter what he did. When when he ran those commercials, and he was taking the nation by storm, believe me, on people not paying their income taxes, somebody upstairs said we got to get him to shut up permanently. That's exactly right. So, short of killing the man, they they tried. They well, gave him. They
5: did kill energy. the man.
1: <laughs> well, they did, yeah, but it wasn't <laughs> yeah. immediate. It was a long yeah. stretch, unfortunately. And the guy was a sweetheart. He was a, you know, he'd do magic shows and, and trips for kids. I mean, the guy was a sweetheart. He just hated the IRS, and that's yep. why what happened to him. And anyway, Ed, I'm sorry I muted you, but go ahead. I just wanted to get a word in Ed's yeah, way. okay,
0: that's fine. That's fine.
6: Well, yeah, but see, Erwin uh, Schiff did not pass sentence to his attorney, number one. And number two, Whenever he told the judge what the uh, what the law was, the judge leaned over the bench. I remember this very clearly. The judge leaned over the bench and he said, "Mr. Schiff, I don't need a law. That's what he said,
1: and he's right
5: because the judge tell you what the law is, right?
1: And he also told the jury what (laughs) what the law was, even though they sent notes back to get a clarification." They never got the clarification, but they wanted to be good boys and girls for the judge, so they all, right. you know, that, uh, you know, we're going to give daddy, no, you know what happened, they rigged the jury, and you've heard, my group has heard me say this the most <laughs> time, they had one person on that jury, that when they went in to deliberate, said, gee, I don't want to find in favor of this guy, and then have the IRS come and audit me, that's all they had to say, to, to <laughs> Yeah, that's right
6: because it was a hung it was a it was a, a zealous over zealous jury we know that but but what I'm pointing my point is though Angela is she he didn't try to pass the sentence to his attorney he never did that but I'm
1: trying to tell you it didn't matter it wouldn't have mattered in this particular How do you know? case How do you know? because they wanted because they wanted Irwin Schiff Judge Dawson who is a, uh, allegedly a constitutional scholar, he's a Mormon, he teaches constitution Please. class to Mormon children, uh, he didn't care. They did. They even had, uh, you know, I forget what you call it, when the other lawyers, the prosecutor was in the chambers with the judge doing some secretive meeting, that's called... Ex, the ex parte. Ex parte, right, and it was on the record that they did that. And and I I sent the tr- copies of the transcript to the Ninth Circuit Court, telling them you know that there was all this shenanigans going on, and the Ninth Circuit Court said I needed to send them the whole transcript, which was a five hundred dollar nine hundred dollar deal at that point, on CD, but I figured at that point you know what it doesn't matter,
2: doesn't matter they're going
1: to shoot it down no matter what. <laughs>
2: they wanted erwin in jail erwin was going to jail
1: they wanted him off the out of the yeah. out of the scene out of people's minds and god forbid the guy did you know saturation advertising across the yeah. country
2: <clears throat> once you attract enough attention against them you know there's no limits to the effort they will go to to silence you or to punish he you
1: he was on Howard stern he was on mike reagan he was on I don't know some savage, some guy named Savage. You know, whatever this radio station is that was on, he was.
2: any anyway, it's on. an interesting idea. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to. I've never tried it. I've never seen it happen. I don't want to say you know it, it ain't going to happen, but um, I, I don't know that I'd be. Well, i me, me say this to waiting. you,
0: Lysander. I, ask an attorney.
6: Find you an attorney. You know, a friendly attorney. Find you a friendly attorney, and and ask him the question. What would happen, just just for an instance, if that were to happen to him in a case, and see what he says.
2: Well, I'll give it a try. I'll, I'll take a look. Yeah, know, and and thanks, you know, thanks for bringing it to our attention. I I, I appreciate it. Sure. I, I like, you know, I'm interested in anything that will provide us with some kind of justice or remedy.
6: Exactly, exactly, exactly. And and i heard of, I talked to a guy that was a son of a judge. And I told him about it, and he, 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 got, he starts laughing. And he goes, holy crap. He says, I'm so embarrassed. He said, I never thought of that. He said, and I'm, a, I'm a, a judge's son. He said, you'd think that I'd have thought of that a long time ago. But he said, I know you're right. He said, because the, the attorney, when he's an attorney of record, he is you. You don't even need to be there. But they always make sure you're there at sentencing. You'll never see him tell you not to show up for sentencing.
2: That's an okay. interesting point. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. I
1: appreciate it. Okay. Thank you, Ed. Anybody else? You're welcome. <clears throat> Thank you. Anybody else? Press star eight. I'm just looking here. Greg Gorey says uh, he won't ever speak publicly about things with the IRS.
2: Well, if you're too scared to do that, I guess we're going to all just shut up real soon, aren't we?
1: Well, he's got I, – I don't know how you can say that when he's got a talk to you call.
2: <laughs> well, nobody knows who he is, right?
1: Gregory, Well, yeah, but I I said the same thing you said. I said that. I, mean, means I, want, that I the IRS wonder how many. I wonder how many, many of
2: our. I wonder how many of our guests are uh, working for the federal government. Oh, I bet there's, I bet there's more than one.
1: Oh yeah, I'm sure. It's okay.
2: Yeah, it's okay. Sure. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's unavoidable. There you go. I mean, we're, not, we're not something. plotting. Ag- we're not plotting against our government. We're, um, you know. We're looking to see them enforce the law and obey it. Do
1: it. right, yeah. California, you've been
3: unmuted. Go ahead. Hey, uh, Lysander, it's Sarah. I just wanted to let you know I'm on the call. I came in. Sarah, <laughs> how are you,
5: here? <laughs> yeah. So long, too long, honey. I know. <laughs> you know, we got to talk.
3: <laughs> I know we do. I just wanted to peek in. I uh, I heard the last uh, bit of that last conversation. That was interesting. <laughs>
2: So very, very good to have you here. Well,
3: thank you. Thank you. So I'm sorry I missed it all, but uh just wanted to lend my support.
2: Yeah. Well you didn't miss much. You've heard it all before, huh?
3: Plus <laughs> <laughs> it's recorded.
2: Haven't you all? Oh. <coughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah,
3: I'm looking forward I was, to I was you hearing the side. We recording. were
2: talking before, we were talking before of, of abuse from the court. Christy, you've you've had your share, haven't you?
3: Yeah, I've had yeah. more than my share. Yeah, absolutely. And Don
2: and Don Wallace is at his share.
3: Well it's a guy. really unfortunate thing that, you know, we've had to learn um the hard way, but we learned that the tax court has become, if it didn't start out that way, one of the most corrupt quote unquote courts really in my yeah. experience. And I've been in a lot of courts.
2: Either and that, yeah, that's a you're right. That's that's a that's a prize that's hard to claim.
3: It's really it is, and it's it's really um, very unfortunate, and it's but it's unavoidable. I mean, there's it got it was interesting to see it from Don's point of view too. You know, to watch the the uh, the growth over time and the metamorphosis. Right,
2: from, to, to watch him figure out just exactly yeah. what he's dealing with. Right, sure, of course he wouldn't know going in. You
3: know. Well, and he he understood it to work a certain way, and he gave me a certain sense of respect for how it. How the tax court works and how it's set up, and you know what right. some of the benefits right. are of that, and, and I've come to be, you know, to understand that and to agree with them on those issues. But then he's come to learn as well that, oh, this is this is the most corrupt yeah. thing I've ever seen. When when seen you get to, it,
2: when you get into the issues, right? When you get into the really sensitive issues, you know, the frivolous return penalty is a perfect example. I mean, the frivolous return penalty is just a club that they use against people. You know, it's a gag. Yeah they shut people up with it and they beat them down and it doesn't matter what you what you argue it doesn't matter what the law is, it doesn't matter what the facts are you lose that's that you know
3: yeah now, i i think that's become um yeah. it's, it's not only so corruptly used but it's it's interesting to see how much the the tax court judiciary seems to be complicit in that i mean that Oh, it's one thing to say they that they have to be that the government or the IRS is abusing the frivolous return penalty law, but right. it's another thing when you start to see the lengths to which the judges go. Right. Well, it's you know, let's face, back.
2: let's face it, Sarah, that the judges are completely controlled. You know, That's it. they, it, they well, have a sure bad bad bad
5: it. Too. Yeah, tax court.
2: Judge, yeah, tax court judge starts letting people off on on frivolous penalties just because they don't have any facts and there's no proof that they, you know, that they violated the law. That judge is going to be in a world of crap with the IRS.
3: Well, it seems to me that the judge is never going to go there because in order to become a tax court judge, and this is my total unsupported opinion (laughs) is to put that out there, but um, it seems to me that in order to become a tax court judge, the federal Mm -hmm. government has something on you. I mean, they have to. Absolutely. There doesn't seem to be any other explanation. They must have something, some dirt on you, something big, and they hold that over you, yeah. and they've then you're, you're in their pocket, and there's no chance that you're going to go outside of yeah. you know of that I'll, box. I'll tell you what. I was
2: astonished to see that Diane Krupa was indicted for tax evasion. That that's amazing to me. I don't uh, know, you know. I don't know who that is. She's a tax court judge. She was a former tax court judge. Oh really. Uh yeah i mean well she must have
1: done something that they didn't like yeah she
2: must have done something they didn't like she retired last year Mm -hmm. but you know but they have just literally indicted her for tax evasion her and her husband and uh i she must have crossed somebody really badly to have that happen to her
3: yeah yeah i mean just what we've seen has been so ridiculous i mean it's not just it's really not just corrupt or wrong or wrong on the law or wrong on the facts but it's like so blatantly ridiculously wrong
5: it's and over corrupt the top that nobody's
3: and then and then it became then when they went after don 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 turned to me and said um this is scary you know this is yeah. i said are, are you getting it now <laughs> right. are, do, you do you get it now, get it now? Yeah. yeah yeah
2: it's really scary it's, it's, it's absolutely yeah. scary it's, it's ty- it's tyranny. It is it is you know the rule of force, is what yeah. it is. You know we've got the power and you've got nothing. You better shut up or you're going to be punished.
3: So did, you, did you already talk about your uh, your method and how it how it's shaping up? Like have you gotten? Well we went
2: we we went through it a little bit the the request for determination.
3: Yeah.
2: It, it is interesting because I've got a couple now that are coming up to a three year to the three year uh, assessment statute date, and oh. that's when I and those are the deadlines for filing the refund suit, also. And so I got to decide, you know, are we going to do this? To, you know, is is the guy, you know, is the guy clean enough? Does he have it? Does he have the resources? Does he have the 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 persistence? Does he have you know?
3: Yeah, you need a good test case.
2: I need a good guy, and I need a good case. And it can't be somebody who's got years of uh, history with the service. I can't. I can't right. Have a guy like yeah. Right. So I, I I'm may have a guy or good, for good you. somebody on the line, you know. But it takes three years to set it up. You know, you're yeah. not you're not going to get up to your edge to, until three years after you filed it.
3: And are you, and you getting the are you getting the transcripts to see that they're not doing SFRs or 6020?
2: I can't get transcripts anymore. They won't give them to me. You know, to get them, you got to <laughs> sue. I'm confident that you. I, I'm confident that we would win the suit, but they've got this set up so perfectly. Okay, so you're you're you you apply for your personal IMF records. Now I'm talking about the the real thing, the the, the coded full yeah. information, real deal IMF. Okay, yeah. uh, those are the, that system of records under the under the SORN is absolutely available, no questions asked. I looked it up in the regs; it's in the Federal Register. There's no restrictions on handing those out. The IRS has come up with a, the idea that those are transcripts, and so they're applying the um, they're applying the statute that applies to getting transcripts of your returns. And they're saying that now they're not available. You have to, you have to apply for them outside the Privacy Act and outside FOIA. What? Now, this is, ab- it's absolutely untrue. Okay. So what's going to happen here is you go in under the pri- So you've got a Privacy Act suit. You're looking for your own records and you go in and you're going to sue. Okay. Um, you're going to win the suit under the Privacy Act. However, you are not entitled to recover costs. So everything you spend to get your records is is money down the drain. And the IRS will not appeal your win. And so anybody who wants to get their records, the only choice they have is to sue, spend the money, not be able to recover their costs, and then they're going to get their IMF records. Uh, They have very slyly set this up. And,
3: uh, Is this new? Because I think I've gotten mine, yeah. and I know one of my clients on this, I've got all
2: these. But we've gotten them in the last six months. Wow! Wow! No, but once the people
3: I... win that, can't the that want the?
2: No precedent there. It's you know, it's a lower court.
3: You know, I got all my
1: IMF documents uh, back. Well, Nineteen. Oh no, it's probably two thousand and two. Yeah. And
2: um, they've only started in the last. It's it's only in 2015 that, that they really clamped down.
1: Yeah, but what I was going to say, do you, did you know Richard St- Standring? I've no. heard that name, too. He was the IMF king. Well, him and Jerry Powers were both into IMF uh, mm-hmm. documents, master yeah. files and business master files and all of that. And he sent me a whole thing with, well, Cindy, too. Cindy did, like was like, all these different, you know, right. master files. And she had them all, and they were ready to go to court, and they didn't even allow it in.
2: No, they won't. They're, they're hard to get in.
1: So, I mean, I mean, into your case, is <laughs> evidence. You can't yeah. even get it in.
2: They're hard to get in.
1: That's why I like what Carl says, you know, you speak it onto the record if you're there. Also, I mean, you put yeah. it on paper. Yeah. but sure.
2: Put it in your testimony. Yeah.
1: yeah. Otherwise, you won't get it in any other way. And if you're going to stand there with a... And I mean the stack was like a foot thick. I'm not exaggerating. Well, I'll
2: tell you what, they stopped handing these out right around the time when uh, Rob McNeil and Michael Ellis and uh, there was a case, there's a case in California, Who's it? Oh, Bill Bailey, criminal case. And it was being handled by uh, a very swanky and highly respected law firm. And they, they went after the notion that his substitute for returns were fraudulently created. And this is this is a bona fide law firm doing this now. And they could huh. not get that stuff into evidence. And he was convicted.
3: And, and he's yes, going to appeal. can get your. Well, that just goes for show you 40 that. He gets into evidence with no problem. That's, that's <laughs> right.
5: so
3: corrupted.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean. yeah. yeah. So okay.
2: anyway. Sarah, well, Sarah, great to hear from you, dear.
1: You too. We definitely need to connect again more. Thank you for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next up, uh, Greg Gorey. Go ahead, dear.
7: Hi, Angela. Of course, I had to respond to your tease. (laughs) Um, No, I don't talk about IRS stuff and tax stuff. Um, What I know myself and what I've learned through some very bright people that are in my close circles, yeah, we might be doing some things working in those areas and it's more by osmosis and, you know, if everybody in America was doing that, then it would just gradually pass from person to person and group to group and it wouldn't be way up on the radar like Mr. Schiff and uh, i not saying that what he said was wrong, but no. we can all pretty much agree that the way he went about it obviously he painted a bullseye on his back. Mm-hmm. And in the same way that you host a show where you invite experts in to share their thoughts, we do the same thing mm-hmm. um and we separate ourselves as the hosts from the liability of the opinion of the guest. And
1: we're just, uh, they want to come and get you to get <coughs> you on. <off.
5: laughs> yeah,
2: well so you know what? What's your what's your organization, Greg? He's um,
1: talking about talk show. Oh really? Yeah. I, I, well, we have, we
7: have a, yeah we have a little group, uh, the Gallant Goose and Friends, uh, and we focus on consumer and uh, homeowner uh, defense and attack strategies. Uh
1: huh. This is what our primary focus. Greg, give them the number. It's the call ID.
7: Oh, thank you. Um, that would be talk to you number one three nine three three five. Okay.
1: One three nine three three five, and it's called the Gallant Goose
7: and Friends. Okay. Right.
1: I can guarantee you, Greg will be contacting you to get you on his call. Okay, good. Which is fine. Nice and, uh, and, and if together, you like, it and uh,
7: <laughs> if anybody has any questions on consumer or homeware defense and stuff like that, um, you can email the host at the Goose and Friends at gmail dot com.
1: That's foreclosure issues, right?
7: And and consumer stuff and uh, um, beyond that. Also, things like uh, credit damage and credit reporting and, mm-hmm. you know, just a lot of different things that ordinary folks have to deal with in the course of their life. All right. Okay.
3: All right.
1: Thank you, my dear. It's right. been a pleasure. I'm going um, to, let's see, One Life to Live. That's a nice, Tonight. isn't that a TV show?
2: It's a nice handle.
1: Yeah. Right. Thanks, Greg. One Life to Thanks. Live, you've been unmuted.
9: Well, you know, it's I'm in the city, so I have to try to stay on mute so that way I don't it's all noisy. Mrs. Donaldson. Donaldson. Oh, yep. okay. Did you have How's it lunch? going? Yeah, well, okay. I mean, yeah. I guess so. I mean, I would like to know the 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 guests' take on cuz I do my fair share of looking into the books, you know, and just looking at people what things people write, articles and stuff like that. I it's all regurgitation. Um, right. But I, my, my thing is, like, I recently discovered Home Rule and also a lot of articles having to do with localism and the effect of uh, state preemption on localism that involves federal, invo- you know, like um, jurisdiction, <laughs> presumably. But I suppose. Well, I'm just talking. I mean, there's background noise, but that wasn't me sneezing. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I'm. Listen. You know what? I love you, Angela. Thank you so much for unmuting me. <laughs> hey, when's have- your birthday? I mean, you don't have to say it. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. It's amazing. This humor. <laughs> This analysis it's actually Donaldson's analysis. No, I actually posted a link of a of an audio. I'm reading right now about legislative analysis and and the value of of that right now, because I've really been starting to get into that, you know so um I suppose that investigating the in legislation on the local level, not just statutes at large. But, you know, something local and then really beginning to address things on the local level um, and start to hold people accountable. Like that's that's kind of the direction I'm heading. How do you feel about that direction? Because <laughs> I'm a little self, you know, I'm like insecure here. Help me out.
2: I'm a great fan of localism. I, you know, I live I live in a very rural environment. I don't live in the city. But uh, you know, we buy eggs from local farmers. We buy meat from local farmers. We you know, try to uh, do everything we can as locally as we can do it. You know, the, the idea that, uh, that we will be ruled from afar is, is the idea that is robbing us of our freedom. Um, you know, the, the, the more local your government is, the more responsible it is to you and the more active you are in your local community and in, 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 in supporting the people who are trying to make a living all around you, um, the, 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 the more solid your, your situation will be when outsiders try to come in and say, okay, we're the boss, and we're going to tell you exactly how you're going to live. Yeah, localism is, is, I think, the solution to ever-encroaching uh, ever encroaching and ever-growing federalism. Uh,
9: Oh, excellent. Yeah. So you've you've, you've read on that topic. I want to put an article in there into the chat room. I I mean, anyone really that's looking at law has to know about that. So, I mean, most of the people on here, I presume, would be pretty educated. And so, you know, hey, thanks for letting me speak. I wanted to hear your take on – on localism and um, but also the you know I know your version of it was kind of colorable to say the least Mm -hmm. and that um, incentive programs by the federal government right actually have a tendency to to create localism with a federalized effect on it right so it's up to us to like come in and say hey look because of state preemption you know, a lot of people aren't familiar. The, I heard local about, you know, going community-based for a long time ago, and I, I never really equated it to my studies in the law, you know, until eventually it led me there. So I'm like, okay, I can see how I can at least apply local thinking, you know, in, in kind of a, like a half hazard way, I guess, you know, a haphazard way. I don't know how to, but uh, it's Donaldson's attempt,
2: <laughs> kind of like the analysis. I, I'm all for it. You know, I, I really believe that uh I really believe that uh, the government that is closest to you is the government you have the most control over. And uh we should be controlling our government. Our government should not be controlling us. Oh neat, man. Hey, well thanks for so lot. where are you from?
9: Um, kind of all yeah, of, like, I live in the midwest. Okay.
2: I live in Kentucky right now. Kentucky, okay. State
9: state okay. of Kentucky, territory of Kentucky. Commonwealth Kentucky well Com- Commonwealth that's neat <laughs> Yeah so hey when did are you guys so you guys are How was in music uh, what, oh that's wow that's not me singing but uh <laughs> if you want me to start No we're I was going to say off was that the background the,
5: noise.
9: I just turned it off I walked away uh, you the um, <clears throat> thank you Angela <laughs> I was going to talk about Kentucky resolutions but that's okay we don't have to. Next thing oh. would be uh to talk about ultimately like uh perhaps the fact that the original states were not the ones that were um, incorporated into the um the entire the idea of the United States um like after the Articles of Confederation.
5: You know, like
9: any So that's kind of an interesting point I think that a lot of people miss too, you know, claiming to be One of the people of the, like, the original states, you know? Like, even though we're on an equal footing, right, you still have to kind of have them wits about you. All right, I'm signing off. Thanks, Angela. Thanks,
1: thanks Thanks guest.
9: I'm
1: going to ask you something. Listen, let's say you get a letter from the IRS. It's a notice and demand for payment. What's the next step? What Um, do you do?
2: depends on which one of them it is. What if you've you got mean? a notice and demand for payment, you've already had a considerable amount of correspondence. And uh so how did how did you get to this point? Oh, you're that got, is be,
1: back before place. you
2: get a before you get a notice and demand for payment, you will have long ago gotten a CP fifty nine that says where's your return?
5: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh if you filed a return, then you're gonna get notices and demands. I
5: if see. you didn't
2: file a return you're going to get a letter 1821, I think it is. Don't, don't hold me to these, to these letter numbers, okay. um, which is going to say, you know, we are proposing that we're going to file for you. So depending on how you answer for that, you may end up getting a notice of deficiency. Mm-hmm. Um, you can protest and appeal a notice of deficiency uh, in a number of ways. You can do it through appeals. Um, and then uh, you have 90 days to go to the tax court. You skip the tax court. You're going to receive a CP 504. No, you're going to receive a CP 22E, which will once again suggest that they're about to assess a tax. And so, depending upon how you answer that, you may end up with more correspondence suggesting that they're going to assess a tax, or you may end up with. An assessment, which would you you'd receive a CP five hundred one or a CP seventy one D or a CP five hundred four. They don't always send them in the same order, and uh, depend you know, because but you've already been through a lot of correspondence now before you got a notice and demand to pay. So uh, it's it's hard to say, Angela. It's, you know, just so what did you do up to this point? You know, that that will determine what you're going to do when you get the notice and demand.
1: Probably with every letter. That they sent, I write one back or across yep. the face of theirs. That Never says, ignore them. <laughs> Prove it.
2: <laughs> well, it's a good idea. It's an interesting idea. Sure. Why not? It's as um,
1: short and as sweet as you can get.
2: Have you ever? I mean, have you ever subsequently received uh, notices of deficiency?
1: Probably. <laughs> well, let me tell you something. Back um, in 2006, they stole my son's court-ordered trust account. Okay, in my son's name God. court order for your taxes. account mm-hmm. when my son had his accident, yeah, unbelievable. and they took that because I was his conservator
2: unbelievable
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah they i mean they're they're without shame they oh I know they're, David they're Branson months, and things are going to things are going to get worse before they get better. They are on a hunt for taxes, they are desperate for money now.
1: Why? They can just print it up as much as they want. It has nothing to do with desperate for. Well, it's it's, it's control. about control. Yeah, it's control. They got more money than they can do anything with. I mean, geez.
2: That's true. That's true. I mean, why do they need to collect it from us? They can just print it.
1: You know? I mean, that what Reagan did that uh, Grace Commission report said that all the money that goes for IRS taxes go to pay the interest on the debt. Interest.
2: Yeah, and they're terrified that you know interest rates will go up. <laughs> that's why interest rates haven't gone up, is because the biggest debtor in the world is the government. Um, is the government. Yeah. And if interest rates go up, um, if, if interest rates went up by one percent, it would literally uh, precipitate a default on government debt.
1: Hmm.
2: I mean, suddenly, suddenly the biggest item in the federal budget would be interest. And time
1: to file bankruptcy a, again, for, maybe. On the edge, you
2: know. Uh, <laughs> We're on the edge. Are you familiar with a uh, a, a financial cycles analyst named um, Martin Armstrong?
1: No, I don't think Uh, I've heard his name.
2: Very smart guy. And uh, (coughs) just Google him and uh, you'll find out all kinds of stuff. The Fed's locked him up
1: for... What's um, his first name again? Martin. Martin Armstrong? Yeah. I'll look him up. But he's a, um, you know, he's a,
2: he's an interesting. He's a cycles analyst, and he has been remarkably um, accurate in his predictions.
1: Oh, so has Peter Schiff.
2: Yeah, Peter Schiff has been very good. Yeah. yeah, no question about it.
1: Okay, let's see here. One life to live. You've been unmuted. Go ahead.
9: hey what's up you guys yeah Donaldson Uh, sorry about that Um, shoot I I actually was gonna respond to the the last thing that was uh, was mentioned I suppose Um, I guess talking about the debt I just posted a link about debt Uh, I've never tried any of that I just want someone to help me out if you guys can
5: uh,
9: (laughs) can try some of that and then (laughs) let me know how that goes that'd be excellent just like Angela said earlier but uh I uh I just keep posting in your chat room. I hope you don't mind, Angelo.
1: I don't mind. What what name are you close to?
9: It's Donaldson in the chat room.
1: Oh, okay. Because I'm looking at and one so, what is on the phone here. And then yeah. I, 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 you know, I haven't really, it's really hard yeah. to watch the uh, chat, all of it. Anyway, there's mm-hmm. one person that's got their hand up. The Great bazoo the has their hand up.
9: All right. Well, I suppose, um, let me see here. Uh, okay, I'll let these other people ask their questions, and I'll take back the, uh, All right. Back, back. Yeah, thank you.
1: Okay, All right, thank you. you. All right, go ahead, Great Gazoo. You've been unmuted, and you got seven minutes. Hello. Hi.
4: Um, I want to ask your guest here, Lysander, if you have ever done a, a revocation of election. I think it's uh, uh, title yeah. Well,
2: I've, I've seen them. It, it doesn't make any sense. It, you know those revocations.
1: Kurt Kallenbach's um, doing that one, right? right. Come
2: from a, they come from a very, very narrow reading of a section, um, you know, concerning uh, illegal aliens who were married, or I'm, I'm sorry, non-resident aliens who are married to citizens. And in my estimation, I, w- I would not go there.
1: Oh, I thought it was just you had a you you had a choice. You could elect to revoke no, your only only
2: people who are no only people who are. Um, non-resident aliens married to US citizens have this particular make this particular election you know most Americans never have to, it never comes up you know and, and i don't i don't really want to get into the whole notion that we're all non-resident aliens it's probably <laughs> Just, it's probably true you know i was about to go there <laughs> it, will prev- it will never prevail um, right. whether it's i mean because of the definition of the United States yes um, you don't live in the United States and thus you are a non-resident alien, you know, relative to the United States as it's defined in the code. Right, but I'm sorry, that, square. you know, that uh, that argument's going nowhere in any federal court.
1: OK, thank
2: would, you. I wouldn't even though I don't believe that it's incorrect. I believe it is correct.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I, everything Irwin said was correct, too. It didn't matter. But, and,
2: and it comes back to the, to the to the point that we can't argue the law in federal courts. Yeah. Because federal courts tell us what the law is regardless.
1: It's of their law. It's
2: not our law. Uh, You got to have. You got to approach it from a different perspective. You got to approach it from. You know, where are the facts? You know, where's the proof? Where's the testimony that says that I'm liable for it? Where's the testimony that says I received? I received. You know, taxable revenue. I I think that's where we have to go. Yes, Um, prove it. Rules of evidence and rules of civil procedure, but not the code.
4: What do you think would happen if you if you were just to like file the W two, work the whole year? And then when your boss sends you your thing for your taxes, it shows how much you've paid in and everything that you just don't
1: Before.
4: Yeah, you just don't apply for the refund. You don't do any more paperwork or anything. What what do you think they would do?
2: It depends on the amount of money you're making. If if you're if you're making, you know, small money, if you if you're relatively poor, they might not do anything. If you're fully withheld, you might not even get a CP59 asking for a return. Although you probably will. If they if they get a W two um you're gonna go into the automated under reporter system and they're gonna contact you and say, Where's your tax return? Right. And the CP fifty nine is very slyly it's very slyly composed. If you read it very carefully, you will say, Hey, we haven't received your federal tax return as if, you know, they're presuming that you that you uh, need to file one, but then when you read the text of the letter, it says, if you are required to file a tax return, please send it in immediately. So they leave yeah. the determination to you. You you right. must determine that you're required to file. And if you write back to them after you receive a CP-59 and say, wow, I, got, I just got you a notice from me where you said to me that if I'm required to file, um, I should file immediately. Well, I can't determine whether I'm required to file. Could you tell me if I am or not? They yeah. won't tell you. You know yeah. they just and there'll be all kinds of threats, and you know they're they're gonna try and get you to self declare, but uh, you know you, you, if you read these things very carefully, they are written by the slyest scum of the earth
4: does and, it uh, does it say anywhere and, like when you're when you're filling out the the initial form, does it say anywhere that you're going to make an assessment at the end of the year or you promised to file again? But,
2: what form is that?
4: Well like a W two or or a ten ninety nine or something. When you, oh, you mean a when W you fill it out.
2: You don't fill yeah. out a W two, they fill out a W two. Okay. Your employer fills out you fill out a W four, which is where you tell your employer how much money to withhold out of your pay. Right. And most employers nowadays think that they're mandatory and think that they have to give you one and think that you have to fill it out. Well, you don't, and it is entirely voluntary, but you're never going to convince your employer of that. So what you know, what uh, my clients generally do is they they sign it and they have withholding done, but they sign it uh, under duress and they and they say so on the signature. So I've, I've signed this, you know, just because I couldn't get a job without it, not because I think that you know I owe any tax, or because you know I, I think that the money I receive is is uh, taxable. And so you have to sign it, but you got to sign, but you've got to qualify that signature. I do absolutely would not recommend to anybody to fill out a 99 exemption W-4 or to sign one that you're exempt or to do anything like that because the IRS will jump all over you on it. And they will consider yeah. it indicia, an indicia of fraud, as they call it. And I would okay. not recommend doing anything like that. All right, you thank can, you. I, I do recommend challenging them. I do recommend disputing them. And we right. always dispute, in, in the request for determination, we always dispute any kind of information returned to file against it, whether it's a W-2 or a 1099. And what we say is, for lack of knowledge, um, we are disputing any report that the IRS has received that says that I received taxable income. And we're saying, for lack of knowledge, I don't know. Um, what you're saying is, <laughs> you tell me, and you got to keep throwing, because the, you will... By arguing any law, by mentioning any law that says, you know, I, here, thus I have concluded that my, my revenues are not taxable. By doing that, you are taking on the burden of proof, and I do not recommend that. I would much rather say, I don't understand the law. Um, there are many ambiguously defined terms in the law. There are many conflicting court decisions concerning the interpretation of these laws that um, preclude me from understanding it, and I cannot make a determination of my tax. Please determine it for me. And that is, I I think that's really the only safe path here.
1: Right. I like it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's safety in it. You're not going to jail. There's nobody's going to show one of these requests for determination to a jury and say this guy didn't file. That request has got everything they need. It tells them how much money you made. It tells them how many kids you got. It Tells them whether you're married or single. It tells them you know. Everything. Tells them everything. Everything. Everything that's on a W. Uh, everything. God on forbid you make
1: one mistake on that sucker. Oh, be
2: careful. You want to be careful. You want to be thorough. You want to be honest. You're
1: signing you're- it under penalties of perjury. That's
2: right. That's right. When you, they I don't come. I
1: not to sign one.
2: But that's when they finally do audit your return, they'll—I've never gotten be able to get an audit on one of these. We ask for audits constantly from the moment we file them. Every time we get a piece of correspondence, we say, "I want you to audit my return. Here's a copy of it." You know, guys send ten, twelve copies of the return. Same every time. Same copy. Say, "I want to audit this return. This is my return. I sign it under penalty of perjury. Meets all the beard criteria." I mean, we just keep hammering away at the same stuff. We're building a case. yeah. You know, we're building a record.
1: Well, my dear, we've gone the two hours.
2: We have and It passed like nothing. So what a what a fun time I had, really. I like yeah. to do this every day.
1: Oh, gosh. <laughs> well, we'll have you back again real soon. Okay, good. I appreciate your right. time well, and, and, and coming on and, and sharing your information with us. Everybody, I'm sure, enjoyed it, and... Uh, I look forward to having you back on again, and uh, look forward to Greg Gore giving you an email. <laughs>
2: well, i You'll be on. It. You'll be anybody. On, anybody, start anybody like, I will. Uh, I I help people with tax court cases. I help people with administrative uh, cases. My profile has my uh, ID. LysanderVenable.com. Oh, and if you want to copy of my book, you can get it at, one at Uh My book is uh, On Your Own in Tax Court.
1: On your own in tax
2: court. And on your own in tax court. Yeah, I put a court.
1: link on the website also.
2: So. Oh, okay, to LysanderVenable.com, and you can contact me at LysanderVenable at Startmail, and I will be happy to talk to you about any you know, specifics of your, of your tax case, and, um, and I'm, I'm happy to do it.
1: Very good. Uh, now do that one more time. Give your email address
2: slowly. LysanderVenable, one, one word, all lowercase, at Startmail, S-T-A-R-T, M-A-I-L dot com.
1: And Lysander, L-Y-S-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-N-I-B-L-E mm-hmm. at startmail.com. Okay, good. All right, great. Thank it's you so much. for Thank me. you.
2: And uh, I enjoyed it. I hope we'll do it again soon.
1: I did too. Thank you. Okay. We will. Um, everybody, I love you. Take care of each other, and we'll see you next time.
2: Okay, take care.
1: Thank Bye-bye. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye.